Kia ora everyone. This episode of The Stag Raw is brought to you by Shearsies. After COVID last year, I wanted to start putting away some money to create a little bit of a nest egg on top of what I was already doing with KiwiSaver. Shearsies allowed me to invest $25 a week in the share market and see the returns. If you'd like to start investing in the share market, follow the link in the show notes and you'll receive $5 to go towards your first investment. Check it out in the show notes. Follow the link to Shearsies. <laughs> right, Gemma. Uh, like, um, it's been when I, we saw you in in Byron. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that was ages ago. Yeah, that, so that was ages. When ago. was that? So I think that was. Or it was just sis- what it was. It was your sister's, sis- sister's uh, hens do. Yeah, and yeah. That would have been a couple of years ago, at least three. Well, when were no. you living in Oz? No, it's two, 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 two and a half, two. two. Oh, yeah, 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 two, yeah. Yeah. I just float through it all space and time. And Billy, here Billy, I am. Billy was in a. Um, yeah, she was so little. Like a carrier, front carrier. So she upgraded to. I thought I was looking back through the photos the other day with her. And the front carrier started when we went to Australia. So it was sometime yeah. in Australia. Yeah. So about two and a half years ago. And then, and then of course, um, and this would be a good place to start, I came along to your farewell for seed. <laughs> yeah. That was so nice that you made the effort to come along. Well, I had, uh, it meant a lot. It really did. Because you really were like an inspiration point. Like it's a forever moment in my memory of like sitting at that table at Ryla, having that conversation. And then just like this whole thing erupting inside me of like, we can do something about these questions he's saying, you know, yeah. like there's so was, something was that, here. Was that five years from then or five years from the launch? Oh gosh. You, I'm, I'm not one for memory things. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that girl. I'm not that girl. No. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. No, that's probably from the launch. Well, well, didn't we do Ryla in like April? Wasn't it an April yeah, time of we, year? Yeah, because we had um, Anzac Day there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I'm remembering that. And then and that Seed's birthday is in September. So it must have been about four and a half years ago then. Yeah. Yeah. September. Holy shit. Is that how long it took? <laughs> I know. Yeah, I remember. Actually, I remember you getting a bit like, oh, we're just going to get on and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it was a process because we had to. My, we my, were my red disc was really coming. Yeah, out. your red disc. Yeah, that's so true. I'm like, come on, come have some fun at the E. Oh no, the I, the I. Yeah. Um, but it was a bit of a process to set up the society rules and then the charitable status, and then get the funding and then, you know, get people together and get people on board and. I think I think those details there, um, are probably what means that it has longevity like what, yeah. a, what a foundation yeah for sure i'm glad we took the time mm. that i just laugh when you got frustrated <laughs> so do i no no it was it was it was really cool um having like i came along to three design centered um brainstorming sessions yeah with three different people mm. and that was when it was like right with we think we know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Now let's ask people. Like I didn't, I wasn't privy to the survey, but mm. yeah, talking to process. you after it, it, like it blew you away. Eh? Like, yeah. 
like sort of heart wrenching hearing some responses. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally weren't alone. Actually, even uh, Mitch Graham, was, you know, shout out Mitch, big big burly Mitch, <laughs> saying, Oof, "That's that's some heart wrenching reading." Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just people were so isolated, so feeling so alone, so disconnected, and did want to make Hamilton a better place, and did want to kind of change the culture, and did want to find ways to grow and find inspiration and. Like, people wanted to stop complaining. They wanted to do something about it and to shift young culture. And so it was, like, sad. And it was also a really exciting opportunity because people are like, so you mean that we can be part of the change we want to see? It's like, (laughs) yeah, that's how this works. (laughs) Yeah, but what a journey, hey, to see where it started there and where it ended up just only four years on. And I know it's got so much more to do and stepping back has been such a process. It's really been like a grieving process in a way yeah. of like letting this thing go that you spent all your waking hours thinking about um, and to just lovingly release it, knowing that my time with it had come to an end. You know, it was not it was not my journey to continue taking it forward. And to, I think that was really interesting in my journey of kind of social entrepreneurship of having my first experience of knowing when to it's time to like let something go so that it can grow beyond you Mm. and like it actually isn't about you and I got so many gifts and lessons from that experience of really tuning into the energy of whatever you bring into the world you know like I think about seed as an energy or an entity that wanted to come through it has its own energy its own vibe that it wants to have in moving through you and so to really sit and in meditation, I actually did a lot of breath work with this as well. And to ask, you know, what is it you would like me to do? Seed, what what this stage energy. of things was that? Uh, this would have been earlier this year. Okay. Um, and just asking it, you know, am I the one to really keep moving this forward? I'm getting a sense that my energy is being called somewhere else. Like I was really interested in trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to have more presence with my son Malachi. Mm. And so I just thought, you know, maybe this is this time. And I felt the message come through really strong that it was for someone else to take forward. And so then it was this huge process of like, okay, I surrender and accept that by letting go, something will come in that is more aligned for me and more aligned for seed. And it all works out and it always does. Mm. And it did. Um, So, yeah, such a journey, though. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Starting at the end, what was your what was your process of resignation? What was it? And also, what was your role that that had been created? Um, I guess, uh, like the role in a title was the chief executive. Yeah. Um, reporting to a board and managing an amazing team of paid staff and volunteers and coaching and developing an amazing group of people who contributed their time to speak or, you know, write a blog or whatever contribute to the to the puzzle that was forever growing um and yeah the process of resignation was really interesting because it's it was a matter of tuning into what was my truth and that was that my truth was that my time had come to an end Mm. and writing a letter to communicate in all the nuances and essence of that energy and that spirit and wanting to be able to leave it in an amazing place but also honor what my truth was, was that Mm. it wasn't for me to take forward any further. And so, yeah, it was like a writing process, a grieving process. And then just, I think there was a lot of um, 
shock for a lot of people not knowing that that was coming or feeling surprised about it and also a lot of people seeing it coming too Mm. um but yeah it was lots it was it was rich with lessons and learnings and Mm. i think um to be able to leave something in a place where it can be like a ripe juicy orange to be squeezed like there's so much more that seed is going to do and will do and the amazing people that are a part of it have everything they need to be able to do that and so yeah it's just like such a process to just let it go and for me personally I wasn't going to any work Mm. I wasn't going into anything what I heard in my breath work and in my meditation was to actually be in the vortex of nothing and to just sit in stillness and to really um, recalibrate and to trust and surrender in the biggest way. So, um, yeah, I haven't worked in six or seven weeks and uh, it's been so transformational and so healing and so restorative. And what is for me is being revealed Mm. in the silence, in the stillness, in meditation And I fully surrender and trust that to guide my life now more than anything else, more than what anyone says. And it's just like so powerful to take your power back and trust your intuition and your inner guidance around what you're being called to do. Okay, so where in your life journey do you feel you're similar to? Oh, can you say it in other words? What do you mean? Um, so is it like being an intermediate person going to high school and looking for your what am I going to do in life this is yeah uh, I sort of think about high school you know we know I'm odd I already (laughs) already had it I already claim it it. I already had it at 12 so that was it's it's still not not my um, story but like there's like a big chunk of work to be done that should hopefully have an outcome and a direction at the end of. Mm. Is that kind of a similar essence? Yeah, maybe. Maybe like graduating high school. Okay. But not knowing what the hell you're going to do. Yeah. Or where you're going because you're not sure So those at that, all. those that don't, haven't watched your uh, talk at, at um, university... Um, what, oh yeah that's a throwback yeah what what was what was the place you you got to like leave care and prove yeah ca- counselors wrong at that point <laughs> yeah that was crazy that's still probably to this day the most courageous thing i've ever done like i'm getting sweaty palms thinking about how Sorry. i'm feeling being on stage no it's good it's good oh the being on stage part yeah well that i was gonna say those words out loud so when i graduated from the university of waikato They invited me to be the student speaker there and I knew in my heart that I needed to say and talk and give a platform to mental health and Mm. mental distress. And I have navigated the complexity of drug and alcohol rehab and drug-induced psychosis, schizophrenic, bipolar, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, all da things. And... When I was doing this speaking opportunity, there's a thousand people in that fucking room. I was so fucking scared. And Jim Bolger, you didn't know. On Jim Bolger! Oh my God, that's so cringe. He introduced himself <laughs> twice. 
and I forgot who he was because he oh. put on his his robes, I and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jeff Baldwin. Obviously, I didn't know. Yeah, I just didn't have the context. What, what is he? What is, what is he? Was it? What is it? Actually, minister. right, right, honourable, and and was he vice chancellor or just chancellor? Well, yeah, the highest thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, shout out, Jim. That was really lovely that you catered to my um, naivety in those moments. But he introduced himself, and he was in one outfit, and then he came back in the room, and I then I was like, oh. Kia ora, I'm Gemma. And he's like, well, are you all right? Because we just met. <laughs> but he had his like regalia. Is that yeah. the regalia? Whatever the, whatever the word. And I was so anxious. I wasn't really present, obviously. But anyways, I used the opportunity at the, um, at this, at the graduation ceremony to just talk about mental distress and how I had navigated overcoming everything that my psychiatrist told me I couldn't. So... At my worst, with my drug-induced schizophrenia, you know, I was fully disassociated from Gemma. Like, I was a completely different character. And I couldn't go to the grocery store because I had so much paranoia. I thought there was people following me. Um, like, I couldn't work. I lived with my grandparents. Shout out, Grandma. Grandma slept with me a lot because I would have a lot of visual hallucinations in my sleep and wake up like levitating and crazy shit going on. Um, and so to overcome everything that the doctors told me, I couldn't live independently, um, hold down work and then, you know, graduate or study, you know, they're like, you're so far gone. You won't be able to integrate. I was on so much medication, 400 milligrams of quetiapine, uh, daily and other things that would be ushered in when different kind of symptoms flared up. But yeah, to be able to how, get how up and talk about that. that, or is that people supplied that to you and sort of monitored you? Oh yeah, grandma helped me with my medication, my dosage, because I mean that that became something that could be abused as well, really. Yeah. So yeah, I had to do. I had a lot of wraparound support. I was an outpatient in a community drug and alcohol facility four times a week, mm. so it was quite intense. And I didn't work. You know, I was really living with my grandparents. They're Seventh Day Adventist, and so there was a lot of volunteering or just being in the gardens and just chilling out um which kind of felt like being in a facility in a way I didn't have a job I didn't have a car my phone calls were monitored yeah it was um kind of its own facility but to be able to overcome all that stuff um was really amazing and then um yeah I think I've been so curious about you know what are the conditions that support you to succeed despite the odds Mm -hmm. And why, what are the mechanisms that are present in my own lived experience of this crazy, you know, literally going crazy? What are the like modalities, the tools, what are the strategies that supported me to be able to go from thinking I was Alice from Alice in Wonderland for like four months to like working with an amazing group of young people to be able to build a, a regional charity that supports our growth Mm. and the ways in which we can contribute to our city and i'm like i got so curious about and started studying my own lived experience and then like listening to understand other people's lived experiences and the tools that they used as well which has led me now i think to my interest in trauma and wanting to better understand that as like the root of the root of the root you know (laughs) rather than keep putting band-aids on like, where does this come from and why? And how does it work in the body, in the mind? 
Yeah, it's, I'm curious. What what are some of the learned skills, applicable skills then? From studying my lived experience? From your lived experience. Um, when I look back on my lived experience, cultivating self-awareness is like like number one. Okay, so what did that originally look like and how did it transition? Yeah, at the start <clears throat> it was mood monitoring. So because I was diagnosed with bipolar before that, they mm. needed to understand like what's go- what's going on. Um, and so I realized, yeah, just even bringing awareness to how am I feeling and on a scale of one to ten, where would I place it? Mm-hmm. And then realizing over an extended period of time that I'm a nine or a ten or a one or a two. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Now with this insight, I can do something about that, like take medication or practice the mindful skills that the psychologist was teaching me or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I think right at the start, it was that. And now it's like doing breath work and tuning into my inner guidance system and asking my intuition, what would you want me to know right now? Mm. You know? And so it's like, yeah, translated and progressed so many different ways. Journaling, I think probably was in the middle for a huge part where it was just kind of like free writing Mm -hmm. or future self scripting, which is an amazing tool. No, I use that. Yeah? yeah. Um, what have you future self-scripted? So I um, future, write future gratitude. Oh, love that. Yeah. So my um, diary, you know, it's an A5 and I can fit sort of three days journals on, on a, page. a page. Yeah. Yeah. So have the date. Start again. Jeez, Rich McCall. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know the reference. <laughs> no, it's in his movie. Um, oh. <laughs> that's what he wrote in his, in his playing journal. Um, yeah. 33,000, so that's about on average how many days you live. Yeah. 86,400 is how many seconds there are in a day. Ooh. So if you stuff up one second, don't worry. Ooh, that's a good context. Yeah. Um, so that's my top line. Then I get my quote and then um, three things to be grateful for, three affirmations, and then some sort of future gratitude. Nice. Um, mostly... It's around, uh, so it's more like a visualization tool. I, um, yeah, visualize me being on my farm with the scenery. Um, like, I can, <laughs> I can visualize walking from my home across a, a gravel driveway to the kitchen, turning the lights on, meeting the staff. Amazing. Um, Checking, it's already done. Checking in and then like then going out on the farm, like taking people to it on the farm, uh, meeting up with groups that are there to retreat, oh, cool. um, going out to the back where there's a hut and checking in with those uh, guests. Yeah. So. Oh, I love it. I love how specific it is. Yeah. So then, so then to be future gratitude, it's like um, I think about things that, would have got me on the way or thinking about like what that environment looks like with loved ones mm, and nice. so it's like a home and there's like people around mm. and there's food and there's wine or there's like the coffee machine mm, nice yeah i love that so that's that's my like that's so cool future visualization that's so powerful yeah i definitely think in studying more and more of my own lived experience i'm realizing that visualization is so 
It was an unconscious competence. I didn't realize how much I visualized everything I did before I did it. Uh And that's one of my secret sauce, like ingredients to just executing so much. (laughs) (laughs) So so on on me, that's where my like red disc, the the dominant stuff can get. It can be a a problem. Yeah. Because I've already seen it happen. Right, and then you're getting frustrated and or, impatient. Or there's like things that are taking me off course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can you get. <laughs> I was talking about it before that um, if we were to look at that emotional wheel and, and like, you know, you can dissect your key emotions into smaller emotions and smaller emotions, mm-hmm. I just get a little bit stuck in the anger. <laughs> 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 need, to, need to take those anger steps out yeah well awareness is the first oh, key no. right yeah. so then you can go and scream in the park like i do <laughs> <laughs> smash the ground and have a tantrum yeah you just gotta let it out and not making yourself feel wrong or bad this is another thing that i've learned too is like <coughs> <coughs> sorry i'm back um Another thing I've learned is the shame, guilt, and fear keep you so contracted and like unable to execute and do stuff. So what I realized I became like masterful at was like recognizing and accepting whatever was here. Mm. So if I was feeling frustrated, I'm like, hey, frustration. Mm -hmm. Hi. What do you need? Mm. Oh, okay. You need to write it out. Okay. Let's sit down and we'll just, I'm here for you, you know, like kind of personifying it in a way and like giving it space to be seen, heard and understood. And Mm. this is my relationship with all of my emotions. And I think it's actually part of being like a bit crazy. Like these are one of the strategies from the earlier days was Mm. like naming everything that came to me because there was so many things going on. Did you need to like, uh, what is the word to make like legitimate? (laughs) Real? No, like... You, you get a flood of things coming through. Yeah. Did you need to like name them and, and like label them so that you could be like, are you real or yes. legitimate? Yeah, real. yeah, 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 for sure. Well, what is real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perceived and actual, but what's actual? Yeah. And this is, I think, maybe the gift of my journey is like going through what most people really fear, you know, like when I would say to people, um, and, and I learned to kind of keep my story to myself once I really alchemized it was, oh yeah, I, I'm schizophrenic mm-hmm. or I learned over time to say, I experienced schizophrenia to really create that distinction. Like I am not what I have been labeled. It's something that I experience. Um, but I think the real gift of navigating that has been that I've been able to really make sense of and like dissolve so much fear into this part of the human experience and like give it love. And so I can talk about it now in a really open way that doesn't feel scary for me and kind of invites in a conversation for people who maybe are quite fearful or confused. And I'm quite okay with, you know, the way that I see the world is that there is a rock. It's a really fucking huge rock and everyone has a seat you know, facing the rock and everyone's got a different point of view of the rock. Mm. We're all looking at the motherfucking rock. Like, however, 
if you're sitting far right, top left, center right, whatever, you're just going to see it in a different way. Mm. And I think going through this experience of like chronic mental distress has just taught me that there's many reels. There's many ways to look at the rock and it's all good. The way that you see the rock does not... Um, it actually does not impact on my ability to be able to live my life mm. if I'm fully grounded in my truth and have done my own inner work to heal my triggers, my trauma, my shit, my whatever. And yeah, it's just like this really liberating thing to realize that I've had choice, I get choice. So what do I choose? Mm. And it's up to me to do the inner work and go inward to understand what's coming up for me in my outer world um to then create my reel but mm. you were doing the same you will do it in your own flavor in your own way and maybe you go sideways and then you go inward and then you go upward and and that's sweet as you're doing you mm. you know mm. and so i think for me i've i've got this like um i'm not i'm not too judgmental i guess of mm. different people's experiences because i have a sense of like oh yeah i can kind of get that because I've been Alice for a while, you know, or like, <laughs> yeah, like some crazy shit's happened. And it's like, yeah, that happened. It's all good, you know? Yeah. You, you said the word sh shame and like <clears throat> I've had sort of a conversation with Morgan Penn quite a few times. Um, uh, we sort of share the same thing that unfortunately Catholicism ingrained that a little bit is the shame factor. Yeah. Um, and yep. <laughs> um yeah, it, I think you, so finishing uni, um, you know, I was given the God delusion and I just didn't get through it. I found it, found it quite, um, what's, what's his bloody name? Dawkins, Richard Dawkins. He's like angry, he's like angry at religion. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 And I, I like, I just couldn't get on board with it. It's a long book. Mm. <laughs> I was like, but I think by that stage going through uni, then I was like, um, and I'm probably my, most of my life had a like question marks. I listened to your second episode of your podcast, and it was funny how you were like, "Oh, that next, that next question, like who created God?" Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, learning like a scientific thing, like how does how does the Big Bang, like where does it all come from? Energy is constant. Like what's before the Big Bang? You know, it is the the next the next question. Yeah, but just the like shame and compliance factor of things is just constantly on your back yeah yeah and you with, with religion you try to like find your space within it and like mm. find where it marries up and like you know i'd be at uni living my life and then i'd go home and then i'd go to mass with dad and i'd sit there in mass going like what's going on or like yeah in my first year of uni i um went my my grand still lived in Auckland and I like middle of uni first year of university, the debauchery of that. And then like go, going out to my grand going to mass <laughs> like in St. Helias. <laughs> just like There's a lot of prayers to be done. <laughs> it was just like it was just like, this is this is bizarre, but like yeah, shame shame was is, shame, is yeah. like a, a massive thing out of it. Yeah. And then like um the other week it was like bedtime and my girlfriend's daughter was doing her prayers and I was like, oh, that's really sweet. You know, like mm. I said, like, do you want to tell Billy like what that was? Mm. And then the same like we were around dinner and I said to my girlfriend's daughter, like, did you want to have Grace? And she was a bit shy. I was like, 
I'll tell you what my dad says. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like simple. And I was like, well, you know, that is a really nice thing to do with your food. Yes. Intention yeah. setting. Yeah. Intention setting. Yeah. I think there's a lot from religion that we can take. Like Vinny in that episode talked a lot about ta- like bringing spirituality from religion into the 21st century and that he said it so much more poetically (laughs) there is a lot of shame and guilt and I can definitely say like growing up in the church and going to a Christian school I also like did missions trips into developing countries like Cambodia and Thailand and um, the Philippines and yeah went back multiple times to those countries too but I feel like there was this kind of there's a belief system that gets rooted into the psyche of like you are innately a bad person and you need to repent Mm -hmm. and when you repent then you're okay and also there's something outside of you that saves you and this is what malu talked about in the first episode take your minutes was like um understanding that you your higher self or like or praying to to the highest version of you or for the highest version of you is you taking back your power in other words um but yeah there was so much shame and guilt that i'm i I will be honest i think i'm still working through like even as a woman i feel like there's a lot around sensuality and sexuality that it's like no you need to be a good girl like you can't you can't do and even like the way in which like witches are talked about it's like you know tarot cards or like all the stuff that is um like actual devil worship like we couldn't watch harry potter or like any of that stuff and now i feel like like i'm still opening up layers of this belief system that is so deeply rooted in my psyche of like you need to be a good girl and this is what good girls do mm. you know and i feel like i'm going through this phase of like a liberated woman <laughs> i'm like i got my fucking oracle cards and like i'm doing all these things that Uh, I think my shadow self really like bringing parts from my shadow forward to be seen, heard, understood, accepted and integrated. And then by doing so, it's so hard to feel shame and guilt Mm -hmm. when you give those parts more love, not less Mm -hmm. and accept them as part of who you are and then look at how they can have space in your life. It's just like the most like the dark side of light chases. Have you read that book? No. Oh, it's so fucking good. Yeah, it talks about shadow work. That was my first introduction to shadow work. And I just went to town on it. And shadow work is basically like this this concept, this belief that whatever someone triggers in you is a reflection of work for you to do. So, for example, for me, I was so triggered by people that were super um, like entrepreneurial or like um, innovative Like I always looked up to those people and I gave my power away to them. Like I'd study their work or I would want to work for them or I'd not realizing that if I can see it, that means it exists within me. Mm. And so when I learned that, I was like, okay, how about I accept that I, I am entrepreneurial. I am innovative. So what does that part of me want to do? What did you mean by triggered by them? Triggered in a way that I would give my power away. Like, I'm going to become small. Yeah, I'm going to become small because you're so big. Okay. It was just like this this thing. And I could also say on the other side, like I would be really triggered by people that would complain. 
mm. like people that have this kind of victim mentality. And I realized like there was when I started doing shadow work that there were some parts of me that had been victimized. Like I had been a victim in my life and I needed to go back to those times. So you understand think you, you what had, had ag- gone on. Ignored your victim. Yeah. When I, you were a victim. Yeah, I think that I had just bypassed it because toxic positivity. Yeah. And so <laughs> so does that mean that the reason why you're triggered by someone being a victim is because there was a point in your life where you didn't give yourself space to be That's a great insight. Yeah. That's to, a great reframe. Yeah. That's exactly it. And then um how can I love and accept that there is a part of me I've called her Vicky. There's a part of me that when I'm really stressed out and overwhelmed, Vicky shows up. And so when Vicky shows up, it's just like, hi, Vicky, what do you need? Rather than being agitated and frustrated and projecting my shit out onto the so world. So how would she manifest normally? Like everything's a problem. Um, yeah, we're, we're really, Vicky's dramatic as fuck. Like <laughs> it's all not working. Like we use absolutes. Yeah, right, so yeah, it's yeah. all not working. Everything's wrong. It's so hard. Everybody's, I'm so stretched. Everything is fucked. Everybody sucks. Exactly. Don't really know why. I just really want to The world's over. Ripping someone's head off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, come on. Okay. Let's just sit down and have a chat. What's going on, Vicky? And then I think what I'll usually notice is that like my life's in a really expansive place uh-huh. where I'm like, I'm stretched to my edges of like what I'm possible, what's possible for me to do or mm-hmm. create or bring into the world. And it's kind of like, yeah, Vicky, we're here because this is a stretch edge. This is a growth zone. And so how can I just love you where you're at right now, which is that you she generally needs a hug and a cry. Mm-hmm. So like I'm really good at like connecting with my body and giving myself touch or like literally going to the park, playing a song and just like rolling around in the grass, crying, screaming, just like whatever's coming up and just like giving myself the space to feel those things. And then guess what? Vicky goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was on I don't want to park um, shadow work because I actually don't know that much about it. Oh, I, the dark side of light chases. Give yeah. it a read. It's so, really so good. So what you said about the like, what triggers you is what you might need to address. I mm-hmm. have plucked that from somewhere. I have, yeah. I have that in my like. Repertoire. Does it apply to you? Which, uh, if yeah. you reflect on that. Yeah, it's, it's in my like repertoire of ideas. Okay. Of like things to be aware of. Oosh, nice. Yeah. What's no, What comes up for you with it? Um, you have victim mentality. Is, yeah. Is big. Not doing things is big. Yeah, and so I think um, it also is like the things that I hold myself accountable for um, that uh, I'd be leading myself down, and so I project those um, mm-hmm. I guess values onto other people, mm-hmm. and so so uh, I feel hurt by that mm-hmm. that someone's letting me down, mm-hmm. and I feel so then it like goes to my self worth mm-hmm. that like. They don't give a shit. They've let me down. Mm-hmm. You're a useless human. Like that's that's like the cascading right. in, internal thought of yep. um of what that does. Yeah, yeah, and it's like <clears throat> so. Um, that's where that rip, that thought comes in. That like you're getting angry at them, and, and as I said, that's my predominant um, uh, reaction is mm-hmm. to feel angry, and it's like. Are you angry at yourself? Are you angry at them? Mm-hmm. What are you actually angry about? You know, and what what is their reasons for you know letting you down? Mm-hmm. Um, 
so the the same time that I was reading God Delusion, I was did some psychotherapy, mm-hmm. and I was in there going, you know, I'd finished uni, started working, living in Christchurch by myself, going, am I depressed? And the psychologist, like, I think it was at the first session, he goes, well, the good news is, Ryan, you're not depressed. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is that good? Is that good? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I was like, you're, you're the one that's done the studies, mate. Um, but he's like, you're just really hard on yourself. He said, yeah. you, you've got your your self esteem is pretty low. I was like, oh, can we see? I think like your first tool might be um, pretend somebody else is telling you your thoughts mm. and then comfort them. And I was like, Oh, that's good. That's been such a valuable tool. Yeah, 100%. Because you wouldn't say that stuff to someone else. Or if somebody else said that, you'd be like, oh, mate, no, don't, you know, you'd, yeah. you'd unravel it. Of real, course. Real fast. Yeah. I read this book, um, Whatever Arises, Love That. And that's what really um, propelled me into giving myself greater self-compassion and self-love. Was I am so hard on myself, but mm. it's also how I achieve great things. Yes. Yes. And I didn't want to lose that gift. But what I'm learning is that actually when I give myself more love, not less for the parts of me that I feel shameful or negative emotions or whatever, I actually find myself in greater alignment for flow. And then it's easier, more fun and graceful for me to do Mm. the things. And it's not hard. And I'm like, oh. I don't need to work eighty hours. But, but <laughs> like that—that's that's really good. That's the it served so well, and it's hard to let go of because it did fucking get you here. Of course. Like uh, when you, in hindsight, look at back at like, like you say, working eighty hours. How the hell did you get through eighty hours? You were like, it's just got to be done, Jimmy. Yep. Get up, David Goggins shit. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh. Fuck, I had my sneakers on the floor the other day. Like, I called I called on David Goggins and Cameron Haynes <laughs> to go for it. Six K six K run. It was it was Ooh. nothing nothing compared to those guys. But it was just like 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 fuck it was um you yeah, know, the first day back of look uh, of level three. Yeah. It was like got got inside, you know, it's a little bit lighter in the evenings now. I said, yeah. there's, there's no, there's no fucking excuse here. Get up, you lazy shit! You've got do to, another K. You've, no, you've just got to put the shoes on and get out the door. And it was, yeah. a, it was a great, run, a great run. I listened, listened to you know the first thirty-five minutes of Donna. Not even, not even halfway through. Oh, so good! I Did you like it. it? I love it. I love it. Honestly, Kanye, I have a lot of time for Kanye because of what he brings through. <laughs> what he brings through, like. I remember seeing him as a teenager, maybe I might have been 14 or 15. He came to Brisbane and played the entertainment center there. I, I think it was the entertainment center. Anyways, he just like stopped the show and like would hardly sing and would just go on these like rants. But as I look back, they I don't think they were rants. They were just like channeled bits of info for everybody yeah. if we could listen. I think he is super creative and certainly there's some things that we do that we all do that aren't great but yeah i think what he brings into the world is super inspiring and mm. i love listening to the new album yeah, yeah. well I, I need to carry on <laughs> with, with with donda yeah. yeah um but yeah uh that was one of the songs that used to be out of freestyle was all falls down <laughs> not freestyle oh, like ra- rap out yeah oh, i'll probably do pretty well with that song still but yeah oh so yeah. good maybe a whole episode just freestyle rapping no what do you reckon no 
<laughs> definitely not freestyle rapping. Jesus. Oh, when I was on Hawks Bay, I was, I was um, had had what are they? Four of the boys from from the Misfits. I know not no, Misfits is the all encompassing. Um, they're called something ultra. So yeah, the, ultra light beams. Yeah. So it's sons is, is what, what what their uh, acronym is. Okay. Yeah, nah, yeah. And, and so they do three style Thursdays, and yeah, I just like it's unbelievable. <laughs> you brought the part forward to be seen. What's that? <laughs> Your part. This is it's like what I call it is like parts work. There's like the, all these parts of us. They bring us joy. Yeah. Whatever brings you joy, just bring it forward, have it be seen, and then you can integrate it. Keep going. Yeah. Heart out. And, oh, good. And, yeah, like exactly that. Like Kanye West, you know, it's so easy to bag on him. Mm. But exactly that, like, you know, back to like what stage of your life are you at right now? Like, mm-hmm. what's what's synonymous with this? Full form, like sitting in front of the the Dell computer, you know, MS, <laughs> MSN chatting away. Oh God! And yeah, uh, lime wiring, frying that Dell yes. computer, frying yes, that Dell computer. Wire. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so good. So, how did you, how did you LimeWire? That must have been before you moved in with your grandparents. <laughs> what LimeWire? Yeah, there would have been no LimeWire. With oh them. no way, no way, Jose. No, that would have been in. Oh, what I'm just trying to think about my LimeWire. Like what I would be. I loved Kings of Leon. Oh yeah, like adored that. Yeah. I had yeah, my brother posters. came back. My brother came back from uni with it. Eh? Yeah. Was like, what is this? Yeah, I love them. They're coming to New Zealand in March too, and I'm like, yep, I'm going. Do you have a ticket? Nah, it'll come to me when it's ready. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, we saw them in um, two thousand nine in Christchurch. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That would have been my last year of high school. I would have seen them that year too. I reckon. Yeah, and like everyone was like, "Oh, that concert was lame." They just played all their songs. I'm like, "That concert was awesome." Yes. They played so many songs. Yes, so good. I think it's Caleb, Caleb the bass player. Oh, I just I wasn't in love with crush. them. I was just in love with their music. <laughs> Yeah, anyways, that was the LimeWire feed. What else would have been in LimeWire? Yeah, this is my memory thing. So Working um, on it. (laughs) Was Panic at the Disco in there? No, absolutely not. No Panic at the Disco. So, um... Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani. That was my first concert. Oh, um... Bloody... It's my shit, that one. That's yes, a, that was the album she the toured. The bananas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, fuck, that was so this good. Song, it? Yeah, old Panic at the Disco. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Old Fro- no, this is like the most circular story. So, um, Frozen 2. <laughs> okay. The song at the outro with the credits. I have not seen it yet. Well, you don't need to. Okay. You know, Malachi, you know, he might, but... Billy definitely is. This is about the fourth time. She's, like, she hadn't watched it until a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And then I've got an Apple TV at my house, and, so, and it was loaded on there. I was like, okay, you can you can watch it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. She, she's watched them both twice. Yeah, no, not that bad. But yeah, the end, yes. Oh, mate, from Panic at the Disco. It's like, oh, gosh. Yeah. And Fallout Boy. Oh, yeah. That's a throwback. Malachi's really into Moana. Mm. Yeah, and when you listen to the words of some of the stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, I'm listening. Yeah, it's like some good song. It's like good stories, you know. I'm like, okay, we can watch this. And then there's Dinosaur Train, but yeah, don't know that one. Netflix, Netflix. Yeah, he loves dinosaurs so much and trains. So it's two of his favorite things in one show. Yeah, I did. I did draw some dinosaurs yesterday. We're doing um, a card for my brother, for Alex, 
and then there, so for wrapping Alex's gift there was some wrapping paper left over yeah. and Billy was like oh it's my birthday and it was like had some um, 3M Velcro sticky for like hanging pictures up <laughs> so I wrapped them up and then I was like it was like, you want a card? yeah I want a card and then I was like what do you want a card? it's like I want a family of dinosaurs so oh bless yeah, Billy we always be out I don't know. Alex will be able to see in the card anyway. So, yeah, there's a dinosaur in her card. Oh, that's yeah. so lovely. Big, big stegosaurus. Stegosaurus. <laughs> Love was, it. I think that's the thing I drew. <laughs> yeah, let's just claim it. It's that. No, yeah. no maybe not. Dalton. Pterodactyl? No, nah, the big tall thing that just eats. T-Rex. No, no. It's four-legged. Diplodocus. Probably. Fuck, I love dinosaurs too. You like them too? <laughs> Oh, so, so you say Malachi likes dinosaurs. Yeah. Are you sure Malachi likes dinosaurs? <laughs> like how much? Are... I follow his lead, you know, and sometimes, like, he loves the beach. I'm so stoked he loves the beach because I'm a Pisces and I just need to be near the water. Like, as soon as I'm near the water, I feel like my true self comes back. And so he loves the beach and I'm so stoked. I don't think that's because you're a Pisces, mate. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'm a Virgo Leo. What I don't even know. Virgo Leo, so it's your birthday recently. Twenty third, twenty uh, fourth, yeah. Of August. Yeah. Oh shit! Did I say happy birthday? Ah, you shit. <laughs> oh my god! Happy birthday, Ryan. Who looks at their Facebook anymore? Seriously. I oh, know. I'm really trying to decrease my use. It is. It is the probably like something I definitely need to just own the fact that i am on my device way too much and i need to just what are you doing so the story i tell myself is is like judgment and shame i know i know this is why i'm bringing it forward to this conversation because the more that i can bring things out of the shadows the more that i level the fuck up so what are you doing on there I'm the story I tell myself is I'm learning because my feeds are just so inspiring. Like today I was scrolling, I found this amazing Eric Godsey podcast on trauma and then it just fucking changed my life. And so I just say like, oh, you know, I learn, I'm so inspired, but there's this one thing that Rebecca Hollis said and it was like, you got to create more than you consume. And it mm. just has this resonance where it's like not going away. And I'm like, lens check. Are we creating more than we're consuming? And I feel like maybe because it's like week six or seven of not working, I'm just kind of like inspired and whatever. But yeah, I just feel like there's an opportunity there to look at what does this give me? Mm. And also what is this costing me? And what is the part of me that resonates with being on this fucking device for so much, you know? Okay, so I'm going to bring in my Myers-Briggs superpowers here. Okay, go, go, go. Judginess. Okay, come on, judger. Okay, so what's uh, Robert's background? Where's he coming from? Why why does he believe that you should be creating? Robert's an an amazing entrepreneur. Yeah, he's just like a mover and a shaker. And And what? I'm jumping on your, like, fuck the entrepreneurs one. (laughs) (laughs) He does all kinds of things. He was like a pro snowboarder. Mint. And then... I know he's got that, um, he's got like, is it a media company maybe? Um, and then he did this other like youth work, which was really cool. Traveling the country, talking about, um, like smashing tall poppy. Just like an amazing creative. Hey, Kiwi. Yeah. Kiwi dude. Yeah. 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 Robert. Um, 
And Does he have uh, big square glasses? Hey, swing- square glasses, and where's the where's the truck again? Oh, uh, yes, you yeah. you got it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the dude. He'd be cool to get on the podcast. Yeah, after I just <laughs> dogged him. <laughs> but no, maybe that's the story whoever's listening tells himself. You opened up a conversation. Yeah, but I so don't know. So why do we need to create though? I don't know. Maybe it's about maybe it's about being in alignment with contributing. But to what? Does it have to be contributing to the I platform? Really, I really like this challenge. I feel like yeah, maybe it's about capitalism. Yeah. But like, so say you're saying I'm six weeks away from work and I'm in a very inspirational zone. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I love this fucking reframe. But like you don't, you know, there's there's so much content on Instagram. But you don't have to put up another picture or another video. Yes. On, on there. So I suppose it's more about what am I feeling called to do? And it's more about intention. Yeah. What is the intention of me being on this platform right now? Mm. Is it to disassociate, disconnect, mm. numb, mm. or am I mindfully seeking inspiration and growth? Mm-hmm. Is it research? Are you? Yeah, for are sure. you narrowing I'm the search? I'm a fucking nerd. You know, I'm but such like, are, are, you, are you narrowing the search, or are you just going along your um, stories, which is which is fed to you? Or your feed, which is clues in the title, was being fed to you. Well, I've curated my feed. Yes, correct. On with intention. Yeah. Because I want to be lit the fuck up when I open up that little button. Yeah. <laughs> Hardcore. Like that. That. That's. That's where I align. Yeah. With. With. With Instagram. Yeah. I feel like there should be a. No, I feel like I need a time limit. What I've loved, one of my friends, he's so amazing. Do you have your apps on time limit? Yeah, but then the you can the message it. pops up and but I just no, say ignore. It's a system, no, but still, it's a system interrupt, though, right? Yes. How long do you have yours on? Um, I don't know. I don't remember. So I when it, check when that. it says um, uh, ignore four, no, nah, I just go ignore all day. All day. This is real talk. So, so you block it out straight away. Straight up. Yeah. I'm bringing my shadow to the forefront. You know, that's good. That's good. I'm just, well, mine's, on 15, mine's on 15 minutes, but it gets... 15 like, minutes for all platforms. All platforms, yeah. Shit. And then what happens when you reach it? Well, then you get the button. And then do you say, okay, ignore limit? No, nah, because you can ignore limit for 15 more minutes. Ah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you're really disciplined. I feel like that's... No, nah, I'm not... Dis- I'm saying, not with that. I'm saying that I press the button. Oh, yeah, okay. But it's enough to be a systems interrupt that it like gives you a second to go, what the fuck am choice I doing? What am I doing right now? Yeah, choice point. I love choice points. I've got a post-it note up. What are your choice points today? Okay, elaborate on choice points. Choice points. Uh, this is why I talked before about self-awareness is like mission critical number one thing to bring into your life. If you have no idea, then you've got no idea. You don't know what you don't know, right? So... Creating a choice point for me is my um, lived out value of my commitment to self-awareness and cultivating self-awareness. So, for example, um, getting that notification. This is a really shitty example because I don't do it, but I'm just going to talk about it. So, like creating a choice point is getting that notification on your phone of like you have been on this device for the limit that you've previously set. You now have a choice point mm. because you've got the awareness that I've reached the limit. And so... I now choose to ignore that and continue mm-hmm. or I choose to honor that mm-hmm. and keep it. And so what I try and do is like, what are the ways in which I can disrupt my own patterning every day to find more choice points so mm-hmm. that I can move into alignment of my highest version of 
myself mm-hmm. and therefore have more flow ease and grace because mm. i don't want to i don't want hard like i can do hard things i've proved that i've proved that i can do a fuck ton of hard shit mm. Mm. <laughs> like, cool sweetie <laughs> like you can do it and so now i'm like really committed to playing a different game disrupting all of my patterning around scarcity mindset hard um pain suffering like that whole um Gary V shit, like hustle, 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 like work fucking all the time, whatever. I'm just like, okay, what if it was easy? What would I do? Just Tim Ferriss question. If I only had five moves, what would they be? And if this was fun, how would it be? Mm. And so it's like, I just like love playing these experiments and these games where it's like, this is everything I believe to be true. It's hard. It's painful. I suffer, whatever. How can I just pick up and try on an entirely different framework and just experiment and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I fucking love it. Yeah, that's it. That, that, that Tim Ferriss question of like, if this were easy, how would it look? I think yeah, I, love. I think I was saying that to you guys in the seat. I was, I was just trying to circumnavigate. Flex. I, was just Flex. Trying, I was just trying to push that, push that thing up the road. <laughs> Give it a nudge. Push it uphill right there. Yeah, no. Um, but... So back on our social media talk because it's mm. analogous and people, so many people relate. It's it's analogous to so many things in life. But mm-hmm. <clears throat> one of the books on your shelf that you said maybe I recommended to you. Start with why. Start with why. Yeah. But we were definitely talking about it. Yeah. Um, why? So that, that's the other thing that um, that's good to have in your life. Is start with why. Yeah. So when you get to that choice point, why? You know, why do I need to? not do this yes or why should i be doing something else yes so what does that start to look like for you now yeah i really love it i think maybe i've I've switched why out for intention in my life like what's my intention in this space what's my intention in this time what's my intention for this day yeah and bringing mindful awareness to that yeah um but yeah oh my god there's something that i was like coming through and i'm like yeah that's gonna be fucking amazing and now i've forgotten it so that's all good (laughs) if it's if it comes back we'll share it i think i think that's like with level four why i panic because i can't and then it like goes back to like the identity thing Mm -hmm. and it's like i can't be me yes yeah but what if it's an invitation to not be well that's especially last year I fucking took that invitation. Mm. Um, so uh, my mate, uh, you know, no offense, well, not my listeners, but no offense to yourself. It, but like I had shot a deer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so Alex moved out on the 5th of March. I went up to Auckland on, I think, the next weekend. Then the following weekend, I went to my friend's wedding. I was like, this is fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then... I went hunting with my, my friend and shot a deer and then the next weekend moved house to my mate's farm and then it was lockdown on the Wednesday. Oh shit, yeah. that's a lot. So when I shot the deer on the Wednesday, I said to my mate, I was like, um, like we were above uh, um, Lower Hawke's Bay looking out to the coast oh, uh, yeah. over the foothills. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was a beautiful scene. I don't, you know, some people might not find a dead animal a beautiful scene, but it, it was. And I said, yeah, my world might be crashing around me, but right now it's pretty bloody amazing. Mm. And then it was like the flow on. So then there was there was that going on. Mm. And it was um, going away from work 
the un- uncertainty of how long it was for. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point in time, the knowledge of you know that pay was going to be a little bit less, and then shortly after that, it was like the reality of, well, we're in this for a little while, so pay is going to be a lot less. Mm. But it was like, okay, like that's fine. Um, I was in a like real safe place with lots of lots of space, and yeah, I was like, right, I have this dream of being a deer farmer. I'm stuck between two deer farms. On a sheep and beef farm with goats. Ooh. What are some things that I do not know how to do? Mm. And uh, my mate just was replacing a fence. So I was definitely helping him learn fencing. Jeez, that's <laughs> so good. What yeah. an opportunity, though. Yeah. And like feeding out in uh, one of the worst droughts in Hawke's Bay for quite, quite a while. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, and like seeing farming in one of the worst times. It was like a real like... Is this is farming something that you want to do? Wow, yeah. This it's hard. This it's hard. Yeah. And this is what it could look like. Wow. And it was amazing. Like it was like a really cool soft gift. That was, yeah. It was yeah. Um, what so, was the gift? How would you describe the gift now? So like talking talking with Paul Wood, uh, Doctor Paul Wood, the other week. Well, oh, I can't remember the the this the scoring system of like um, how stressed out you are and like mm-hmm. your risk of. Um, illness mm-hmm. starts to really increase mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately for men that often means suicide mm-hmm. um and i was like really high mm. and i said that to him he said but the key thing there Ryan, is like the environment you were in and exactly what i'd said a number of times on the podcast you know i'm so thankful i'm not in an apartment right now and so imagine if you're in an apartment and there's nowhere to like maybe you could look out hopefully if it was Auckland to the to the bay, the mm. harbour, but like you know, like five, you you're allowed to walk five k's. Mm. Is that right? I think that's right. Yeah, like over Niles. Well, I think that was the same in New Zealand. Oh, New Zealand, yeah, yeah. New Zealand's very lucky. That, oh gosh, that, see, I've blocked it out. This is my memory thing. Yeah, New Zealand's pretty lucky that in five k's, <laughs> a long way. You can go yeah. a long way. Yeah. Like, just think about Hamilton. Like, here, oh, yeah. Here, here on the edge of the town. Yeah. Although that's just flat. Dear country that way. But yeah. Yeah, you can walk that way. Some just, good walks. Yeah. You could, you could get to the gardens, maybe. Oh, straight up. Yeah. Straight up. Easy as. Yeah. But there's always a gift. Yeah, I doubt. There is always a gift. It's making the space and time to see. And this is, I think, where I got to with this stuff. It's like, I... How can I create a choice point out of this shitty experience of COVID or whatever is going on in my life? It's like, if there was a choice point, what would it be? If I'm reflecting back and really sitting in the victim mentality or still feeling frustration or anger or whatever. And like, if there was a choice point, what would it be? Ah, okay. It would have been that this really, and, and if I'm being genuinely honest, every, every fucked up thing that's ever happened to me where I have been a genuine victim of a circumstance, I have learned a gift and a lesson that has propelled me and accelerated me towards my purpose Mm -hmm. every time, no matter how dark. And so the way that I see it is like, I've got a choice point here to either choose to stay in that victim mindset and that victim mentality that keeps me contracted, that keeps me really negative and keeps me really disconnected or... I could choose to find a gift, a lesson, a silver lining, a learning, not toxic positivity, Mm. not trying to bypass negative emotions, 
but to discover what that is and then integrate that into my story so that I can move forward and be helpful in the world. And it's like, when you see that as a choice point, why would I choose anything but the, to look for the gift and the lesson? Mm. Because then that's going to integrate into my story of who I am and who I'm becoming and then support me to be of service to other people. Mm. So I'm going to choose that. And so when you when you can cultivate awareness to discover the choice points, then you're like, oh, this is actually supporting me in my evolution and my growth, you know? Mm. And so your story, like, really fucked up. COVID's so fucked, right? And then you find yourself in the middle of two deer farms, like, holy moly, like, right on the path towards what you're manifesting. Mm. And then you're like, what can I discover? What can I learn here? Go and mend a fence. I'm sure that skill is going to be needed in the future. Oh, yeah. Deer when you pieces. get there. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's it's on its way to you. There's, I also believe like whatever you desire deep down, and I feel like this is another thing too, in particular for people who really struggle with self-esteem and confidence, is like what you truly desire is on purpose. Mm. And it's not something that like I feel now because I, I fully embraced what I desire. It's not something that like is accidental it's Mm. like it's like part of why you're here on the planet so go for those things that you desire and work through the resistance and the whatever that gets in the way of getting you closer to where you want to be but something i want to come back to that just keeps sitting with me and won't going won't go away is um you know like when we build an identity Mm. around something so for example this is what i was referring to earlier in this episode about um the grieving process with seed there was points in that grieving process where it was really difficult because i had created my identity around being part of seed Mm -hmm. and so when we attach ourselves to things that are outside of us it creates so much more pain and suffering to let it go Mm. because if we don't have that bit, then who are we? Mm. Right? Yeah. And that's really fucking scary if you haven't built the inner knowing of who you are, that who you are actually is fucking amazing regardless of what you do in the world. It's who you are, who you be, how you are that makes you you, not what you do. And that's really like such a mind explosion, especially for high achievers and people that are just go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. I need a like make me mean something in the world um and it was such a beautiful gift and a lesson to realize and i think what i've discovered over the last couple of months is like i'm so dedicated to low attachment like i want to be fully challenged at any part of my existence where i have attachment to something outside of me Mm -hmm. because that is where i limit myself as soon as I attach to something outside of me, I have put myself into a box of what I could be. Mm-hmm. And so to have low attachment to a title, to a role, to an organization, to a political view, to a belief system, to a whatever, is to fully surrender to the human experience and be open to the possibility that actually where I am right now could just be that, mm. where I am. And that where I am tomorrow could be a totally new experience But if I limit myself to where I am now, I won't actually see what's possible tomorrow to meet tomorrow where it is. Mm. And so it's just like this most like mind explosion. But I feel like I've needed to go through like, you know, being a founder and and someone in a leadership position, a management position, also becoming a mother, Mm. 
holy fuck, that is your biggest catalyst into addressing everything that you believe to be true. Um, But to really understand like anything you build an identity around, like we're laughing about the disc profile, you're a D, I'm an I, or like the Maya Briggs, Mm. I am the campaigner. What are you? Uh, commander. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it. I know it. Um, but like anything, and I'm a generator. Have you done your human no, design I, type? I said you anything. I've done it, but yeah. <laughs> I'd love to know what your human was, design type is. A, it was it the other night. We, we didn't get enough time to talk on the night on, on your leaving do when I said like. Oh, yeah. Um, Alex sent me there. It was like shortly after we'd broken up. And so I said, <laughs> yeah, the I was, human design. I was like, I did it. And then I you saw You had an aversion. Yeah, yeah, it didn't land very well at the time. So. <laughs> I would love to know. It'd be really interesting. Um, I'm a generator. Yeah. You know, these, these are just all labels, right? And I feel like, and even bipolar, even schizophrenic, even like. Pisces. Even, <laughs> shut up. I'm definitely a water sign now. <laughs> but this stuff, you know, it's just like. It's just like the the human experience to want to put a label in a box on something so you can close the tab and move on and focus your energy and your precious time on things that are going to propel you or if you're in a survival mode, help you survive. And so I think I've learned like the more that I can detach from any label or any personality trait or anything that anyone outside of me tells me about me or the world tells me about me. You know, like that is a lifelong journey to unlearn and bring awareness to any beliefs that you've picked up and like, like let land in your psyche about what you believe to be true about yourself and the world. And so like, I'm just like in this season of wanting to dedicate and I do, I dedicate a lot of my day to reflection, self-inquiry, feedback, um, connecting with my intuition to try and like lovingly release everything that I had created safety around mm. really in a way because that's what I think the identity is it's like I'm safe because I've got these things and this makes me me and is it, is it scary as well because when seed was created you had a role and a job and an income mm-hmm. and now you've like released as said from that identity that role and the income. And the income. And you're creating something new. And that's like... Very scary. Scary. Yeah. Like you, you have you have proof that you can make it work. That's, that's like one thing on your side. But what it is more proof of is I think that I trust that whatever moves through me is for my highest good. Mm. So if I can fully surrender and trust that it's actually not me or about me, mm-hmm. I'm just the vehicle and the vessel that does the thing. Mm-hmm. And the more that I can surrender, the more ease, grace, flow, and joy arrives because it's not hard. Yeah. I just want to like get you know to take any assumptions out of the way. You are doing something, working on something. Oh, you best believe. Yeah. Shout out, take your meds podcast. Season one is out now. <laughs> <laughs> that too. And I have a group program launching this month called No New Things. I've run it. Uh, earlier this year was an intuitive nudge mid last year. It just kind of came as this download. It was like, run this thing called No New Things. And I was like, what? What the oh, heck? There it is there. Yeah. What is it? I was, yeah. I was looking at the acronyms. It's on, it's on my whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm here to awaken consciousness within and humanity. So heal yourself, heal the your world. That's your mind map. That's my vision. That's what I feel like I'm here to do. Right. Anyways, back to No New Things. 
So No New Things is a group program that was fully intuitively led. So to give you a bit of a context, the way like I'm a I'm first class honors business management major in strategy and innovation. I'm uh, qualified in community led development, a social innovation tool, which basically is a tool that supports you to deeply understand the aspirations of a community and empower them to be the hero in their own story. Like I know a lot about um, design thinking and um, due diligence, risk management, like all these strategies, they're all mind things. You know a little um, bit about structure now, too. I do know a lot about structure. <laughs> I sit on a board. I know I know governance very well. Um, and so I'll just also plug with community-led development. That is an intuitive practice, but there's a model that really supports it to come to life. Anyways, no new things came to me and it was inviting me to use a a strategy that I had never, which was my intuition, Mm -hmm. that my intuition fully lead something where I'm not going to validate an idea with any insights from anybody else, but I'm tuning in and trusting what wants to move through me and being fully in service and surrender to that for my highest good and the highest good of others. And so no new things came to life as a group program where we ended up, and I had no idea what was going to unfold except probably a couple of hours before each call each week. So it ran for six weeks. And what the program ended up becoming was a series of learnings and experiences that supported people to cultivate self-awareness and develop self-awareness, understand the difference between ego and soul, understand the importance of emotional regulation and how to build a relationship with your emotions and the different strategies that you can use to protect, cleanse, regulate and release And then how to connect with your dreams and desires and embrace masculine and feminine energies to bring what you truly desire into the physical world. And I was just like, holy fuck, that came through by just like surrendering. And it was so easy. This is the thing that blew my mind. It was like literally a couple of hours before the call, I'd just be in meditation and everything would just come. And I'm like, fuck, like. Why have I been using my thinking mind for this long? Like, that shit's no, there's, so there's easy. So, so, so much to, to uh, be able to manifest that out, though. Yeah, know. it's been like years just, like, of like, doing like, the work. Yeah, like you said, you, know, you read off all your background. like Of course, yeah. studying my own lived experience and becoming present to it. So how did, how did you uh, get the audience? How did, how did it all like physically create? Um, I knew that I needed to do a couple of posts on social media and I just needed to share my story. The biggest thing that held me back from bringing no new things to life was that I'm not a qualified coach and Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed a qualification to be able to bring it to life. And then I did a bit more inner work and I was like, you know what, I'm qualified in my lived experience and I'm not actually going to teach anyone anything I have not taken myself through. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, and I read um, Dr. Nicola Perez, How to Do the Workbook, and she talks about the future of um, like mind, body, soul connection and, and facilitating experiences for people coming from those people that have a lived experience, as well as those that study it and, and become clinical and qualified and all the letters after their name and whatever. And so I was just kind of like, you know what, Jim, you've actually got everything you need to do this. Just bring it to life. And so I did do a post on my own social media accounts. And then I just trusted. I honestly, like my strategy is to tune into my intuition and ask my intuition, what would you have me know? 
And separate to that, to also tune into the energy, no new things. You're wanting to come through. I'm just a vehicle and a vessel for that. What do you need me to do to get this to the people who are meant for it? Mm -hmm. So it's not forceful. It's not like do 10 posts and this is the content plan. And (laughs) it's just kind of like asking no new things as an energy. What would you, what would you have me do? And how can I be of service to you and how you want to manifest here? And then just following the guidance. I mean, and then what was the feedback? Where did you get feedback? We didn't do it. Yeah, I ended up having like 25 people apply. I knew um, intuitively that there was seven people to go through the first cohort. So um, I curated a group of seven incredible humans and they came through. It was an amazing experience and I'm getting ready to launch again Mm. in the next couple of weeks and have it in a platform where I've like pre-recorded content. I've got some amazing um, challenges and, you know, the issue is not inspiration. Like we don't need more information or mm-hmm. like knowledge. What we actually need are containers to understand how to apply, integrate and embody what we already know to be true. Like if, is there something that you know that you just need to do, mm-hmm. but are not doing? Oh, that's a literal question? Yeah, let's go there. I bloody hope not. Um, it's like the thing you're avoiding. No, I honestly... You're deep in the work, Ryan. You don't need any things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> If that's your truth, that's your truth. For a lot of people that I know that I've um, experienced, it's like there's something that they know that they want to bring into the world or that they're being called to do, but they don't do that. And then it creates a lot of um, pain, frustration, sadness for them. And so... So so my uh, thing there, you've you've managed to get a trigger and get a line. Um, Yeah. Is my ambition and patience, and so I want to be a director because that's my path to being, um, getting equity to then buy my farm. Amazing, yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> that's where the patience and ambition needs to be balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I. Assertive. Man, I actually remembered the word this time. I always forget the word assertive. <laughs> I need to have some assertive conversations with leadership in in uh, Patterson Burton, which I've come back to. Fuck yes. Yeah. So it's amazing that I actually remembered the word assertive because it is the word that's always hovers around. And I don't know whether that's my concussion or, or, or what, but it's amazing that I actually remembered today. It is. <laughs> and it's divine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the essence of no new things would be to then go and be like okay i don't need to listen to another podcast there's no other training i need to do Mm. there's no more people i need to meet there's no ted talks i need to listen to no more fucking workshops the one thing i need to do is have that conversation so i'm going to declare that that conversation is going to take place at this time on this day Mm. i'm going to send an email make the phone call do whatever i need to do 
get swished up on the day, do a breath work, whatever the fuck it is, bring my dreams to life yeah. and make it happen. And, and it's funny, um, and I'm sure it's for anybody out there that like says out loud the thing that they need to do, the quick, quick, quick buddy excuses and mm-hmm. butts that come into your head. And that's why I've created No New Things, because it's not just about taking action. It's also about understanding what brought me to the place where I still am not doing the thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm studying trauma as well. I'm just starting my trauma recovery coaching certification. Who who runs that? Like- the International Association of Trauma Recovery. It's like a really incredible program. What was really important where's for it, me... Where is it founded? They're in America. Yeah. Yeah. What was really important for me... So coaching is not a... Um, is it like... What's the word? Where they're not like a regulated industry. Yes. Yeah. And any motherfucker can like set up an Instagram account tomorrow and just be like, I coach people to whatever after going to some retreat in a weekend and learning a modality that supported them to self-heal. And so... It's like, and that's really beautiful. And I think that is important work that we bring more um, awareness and we bring forward more people who are keen to share these tools. But what I'm also really passionate about is mastery and integration. And so what I love about this certification I'm doing is that there's like 40 hours of supervision that needs to take place in order to gain the the certification. And that the, um, the weekly homework is like, you're doing the work like you fully understand the ins and outs of this this trauma space so anyways i created no new things to be able to get to the root cause of like why we create so much distance between what it is that we actually desire and what it is that we're actually doing Mm -hmm. and i'm just curious about it you know Mm -hmm. so it'd be like yeah i'm i really want to hear about when you have this conversation when are you going to do it uh, there's the opportunity there. And Every day or? No, um, once. Uh, so at the moment in our practices, we're bubbles outside of bubbles. And so I stay put in Tokoroa. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, the invitation there to, to meet with the CEO. That's once. amazing. Yeah. I'm so excited for you, Ryan. That's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. Well, we, we haven't actually, you know, again, this is like the excuses come out. Like we actually, actually haven't been able to have a meeting since i've come back to patterson bird mm. yeah so that's uh, that a word floating around you assertive make the time yeah make the opportunity yeah i don't no, it's... you've got everything you need to do it and fucking nail it yeah yeah uh, Eek, this is exciting good. okay next time we catch up i'm asking about the conversation <laughs> <laughs> the directorship <laughs> um we, when going back to like vicky and and the oh vicky and did you call it like toxic positivity toxic positivity yeah, yeah. yeah. so the i've sort of been looking at the world um lately in dichotomies and i, and I don't know why this is coming up at the moment and like again here we have another dichotomy it's mm-hmm victim mentality or or vicky if we we like to give her a cuddle because that's what she needs yep and the pop pot toxic positivity yeah <laughs> um and that's the dichotomy of of how we can look at events or traumas as, as you were going diving deeper into but really everything has nuance everything yeah and so yes the world is full of dichotomies but they are nuanced. And that's where the my, my special power of judging um, comes in. Mm-hmm. 
we don't need to judge the outcomes. We need to judge the validity across the nuance. And like going back to what we were saying before, what is real? What is what is what is the truth in mm-hmm. in this dichotomy? Because we can make it binary and go, "Oh, you're just a victim," or "Fucking mm. layoff, mate. That was a hard time. You know, you're just so positive all the time. Piss off. Mm. Leave me alone." Or, or you know, we can be a fixer or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like how how have you sort of evolved these, mm. putting them in their places and then exploring the validity of everyone's position mm-hmm. and then going to that word that you have been saying a lot, I heard it in your podcast a lot, the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, what what's that starting to look like? <clears throat> oh, this is okay. I feel like this is like philosophy vibes. This is like diving there. And I don't, I don't feel like... Yeah, I think for me, I'm focused on my inside job. Like, my responsibility is, and who I'm accountable to, and to be responsible for my influence and for my role as a mother and for my role in the world, is to focus my energy inward rather than outward, first and foremost. Like, heal yourself, heal the world. That's just like the vibe that resonates for me right now. Mm-hmm. And the more that I can tune in and understand what is my truth, I'm going to be able to make sense of the world in a different way rather than judging everyone else's truth, Mm. not necessarily exploring, well, why do I believe that? Where did that come from? What brought me to believe this to be true? Do you know what I mean? So that's that's the questions your triggers are uh, uh, leading to. Like what? Yeah, more self-inquiry and reflection. Mm -hmm. Like... Did I choose this belief consciously or is this something that I have picked up and left on as a result of consuming media or like political agendas or my parents or my schooling? Like how like I feel like I'm not obsessed, but kind of with like navigating my belief system Mm -hmm. because I've got tattooed on my wrist. This is when I was in therapy Um my psychologist wanted to work on my impulsive behavior because I was a drug addict. And so we really needed to understand how I could be, create some space between, I feel like doing something and I'm doing it. (laughs) And so we went into CBT, cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy, which is around your thoughts, feelings, and behavior. And if you can bring awareness to those things that you can kind of hack that as a system and disrupt it to kind of um, create a different behavior, a different choice. Which perhaps is a choice point. It is a choice point. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. Um, but what I think is the evolution of this in my understanding, I got this tattoo like maybe 12 years ago now, is that I'd put a big B in the middle, which is B for belief, and that the belief systems sit up subconsciously and actually drive the thoughts, feelings, and behavior, mm. as well as what is your felt experience in your body. Um, the more that I understand trauma, you know, our body get out our body stores trauma in different ways and so if we can focus our time and energy on kind of excavating our human experience then it's just kind of like there's no time to judge Mm -hmm. there's like no time to kind of you know like look out there and do anything i feel like when there's a conviction or i feel like i'm being called to speak on something that's happening in my outer world then i will but I feel like really all I can control is where I'm at. Mm. And so how can I go to work on my own inner experience? And the more that I do that, the more my outer experience changes. Mm-hmm. And the more calm I feel, the more 
ease and grace arrive, the more joy I experience. And so I really feel like it's an inside job, like to, to really take accountability and responsibility is to like notice life is just a container of experiences for us to, um, yeah, like self-heal so that we can live in greater alignment to the, then manifest the uniqueness that's trying to move through us so that we can be of service and help mm. be there in community with other people. Mm. Yeah, I got sort of remembering controlling the controllables. Like mm-hmm. you can't control someone else. No. Know, and you can't control everything, you know, but... What can you control and that makes things easier? Yeah, and I have to say that's definitely bringing up for me like there was a period in my life where my inner world was so out of control that my and unaware mm-hmm. my response was to control everything in my outer world. Right. So, for example, like it's one of the reasons why I think I have been so amazing at, at doing things is because I, I can understand the forces to bring something to life and then make it happen. Um, but looking at the ways of my younger self would like try and control things outside of me, whether that was other people or other experiences when really where I'm at now is like, Oh, that was just a reflection of my inner world being so chaotic and needing Mm -hmm. to create some ease and some relief. So I would try and control my outer world, Mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Um, but it's all perfect because it's brought me to where I am now and I don't regret it anything. And I own, um, I own the impact of the decisions that I've made that have caused harm. And I have had those courageous conversations and will continue to do them. But yeah, I just feel like the more that we can go inward, which is really fucking uncomfortable and hard. I remember the first time I started to journal, like I couldn't even write a sentence. I was so uncomfortable just being with myself. Did you have a trigger? Like what was your, did you pay, have a starting point to journal on? No. So what, what, what was the framing for Jimmy you need a journal? Like, was it like, here's a journal and a pen and like, go do it. Or like, it that's was, what I mean by a trigger. Like what, I was, think, was there a point to put the, that's why, that's why I start how I start. Cause it gets the pen on the paper. Yeah. I think for me it was, um jesse my ex-partner he would just he's an amazing human being he'd say things like you should really spend some time alone and i was like oh i'm so fucked off that you said that (laughs) and of course it's an invitation to reflect and i think over time because he really enjoyed spending a lot of time alone Mm. and in his own company i used to think it was so curious i'm like so strange and unique like what the heck like I'd always need to be with people or doing something or cleaning or working or bringing something to lie like I'm so busy you know Um, I'm an active relaxer it's just a story I told myself and so I think the invitation came from him his gentle way of just sharing these insights with me and I thought you know what I'm just gonna sit down with a pen I bought this bougie fucking journal and I was like (laughs) okay I've got my nice pen I've got my nice journal why don't we just write a sentence and see what happens and so the invitation came from him yeah Yeah. so 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 many things to be grateful for from that relationship yeah Mm. hardcore yeah that's why um had we talked about gifts and like things that happen to you there's always always gifts that um psychology was this was the same like why don't you go to some psychology and i was like what are you talking about Literally, what are you talking about? Literally, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it was like enrolled, and then it was like, it costs how much? 
Okay, right. <laughs> Were you studying psychology? No, no. Oh, no. oh, you saw a psychologist. Saw a psychologist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. it is expensive. It's so expensive. Yeah. It's you fun. know you can get four free sessions if you go through the doctor. Just anyone listening? Yeah. Can you, you explain in a this? difficult space? Yeah. If you're it's in a, a challenging space, though. there can be there can be a bit of a wait, but you can ask your doctor for a referral, and you'll be able to get six free counselling sessions. Now, counselling is more talk therapy, mm. creating a safe space for you to make sense of your experience. A psychologist is more focused on tools, strategies, and techniques for you to be able to navigate and move through the experience. Mm. And so you can also get four free psychology sessions. And every six months, you can go back to the doctor and ask for a re-referral. So um, that was something I didn't know. My psychologist actually called me the other day. She's fucking amazing. And said, um, yeah, just so you know, every six months you can go back to the doctor and request again. So for anyone listening that may be in a tough place, there's absolutely no shame in putting your hand up and asking for some help. And, and it's really actually an act of courage. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, it's uh, something special that um, my employer does. There's a, you can do it via phone or, or in person. Oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, they, I think, same sort of thing. Maybe, maybe that's set up via the same channels that there's four four free psychology sessions so yeah might be you know you know employers taking on that, that yeah role. i think there's a program some bigger employees ha- employers have eap i think that's what it's called eap i actually don't know what it stands for but i've heard of it where some friends have accessed anonymously um free support so if you're in a maybe a medium to large yeah. business you can um talk to your employer about eap mm. i think that's what it's called eap maybe? i think you're right yeah. I don't know. I just know it's there. <laughs> Starts with E and it's three letters. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> don't correct me. Yeah, I've 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 done psychology twice, mm-hmm. and both were powerful. That's all. Do you know what um the tool or technique was that they were supporting you with? No. no. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. I always ask. Well, I was, like again, as uh, I was very incompetent with the whole thing. You know, mm. I went on a recommendation. Yeah. And then um, Don Vitis, who I had early on in the podcast, he was our sports psychologist for um, Hotepi Rugby. <laughs> <We're in the hoodie. laughs> Shout out. Yeah. And um, I said, mate, I'd love to come do a couple of sessions with you. That was like after Ryla. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, so with the, with the, we went over that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. With your tattoo in the middle of Ryla when Libby brought that up. Yeah. What was that like? Was was there some like emotion come through when that was what? being taught? I'm sorry, Ryan. You have to tell me what what happened. I so don't we talked about the like beliefs, feelings. And, oh yeah, CBT. And, and yeah, behaviors. with Libby. Yeah, with Libby. What I remember from that Libby session was she drew a picture on the whiteboard of someone carrying a garbage bag of like everything they had picked up in their life of just like hard experiences or tough times or like shitty things that had happened. And they, it's kind of like people put them in a bag and put the bag over their shoulder and like carry it around, not realizing how heavy it is Mm -hmm. to just pick up and keep carrying all the shit. And that when you let it go is when you can kind of free yourself and create a new experience. But I don't remember the other thing. Yeah. She had just talked about this. Yeah. That you can disrupt. Disrupt. What did you call them? Disrupt your patterns. Create yeah. choice points. You can create choice points yeah. along that. So yeah, that was same with something we did with Dom, which for rugby was very helpful for me because um, back to that emotionality, anger coming out. 
Yeah. Um, I'd let individual uh, events in a, in a rugby game affect me, mm-hmm. like, and take it on board and lash out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I don't know which way I ch- what I changed, whether it was my thinking about the decision. It was, and it was in order to change my behavior, but it also was changing my behavior. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, then we, you know, you could recreate the belief around the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot of that. That's powerful. Yeah. Like the referee's decisions are out of my control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, again, that controlling what I can control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a good year. Um, that, so when I first moved to Hamilton, what was that? Six months in, it was Rala. Um, and then the first rugby season was finding my feet. The end of that year, I did some work with Dom, came back the next year, and lots of things happened. And then at the end of that year, I got the concussion. Mm. But yeah, played in the, the final five weeks. Oh. La- five weeks later, oh I, my I, gosh, I went through the return to play protocol. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think like, as, a, as I said, I blame that not being able to see assertive. On, that's it's not just the word assertive. There's many things that I'll see everything around the framework of what the word that I want to think of, but I cannot mm. name it. Yeah, yeah. And it's accepting that. Yeah. And giving yourself more love, not less. Yeah. Rather than being hard on yourself for that. <laughs> that's good. That's the invitation. Yeah. I yeah. think as someone that's really hard on themselves, really orientated towards achievement and perfection is how can I just give myself more love, not less, and know that in doing so, it will not rob me of my ability to execute with excellence. Yeah. So, um, so on music-wise, Tom Scott and Homebrew, like, got me through so much hard shit. Yeah. Like, through, through uni. Yeah. And it's like, the, the, I've told the story before. I was listening to Avondale Bowling Club um, before a rugby game in Australia, Lying on my deck, glorious sunshine beaming in, yeah. and I tagged Tom Scott in a photo, being like, "This is awesome." And he like messaged me back, being like, "Oh, sorry, bro, it's a bit of a depressing album, you know, not oh. not meant not meant for like such a beautiful environment." So I think oh, I was like, "No, it's like, perfect." I was like, "It's perfect, man." I, was like, yeah. I love I love your music. So turns out last year you released another album. I've just found it. Oh, mean. And on my way here, it's like track two or three is about happiness. Oh, okay. Okay, and like. He's talking about, and again, parenthood and things like that. He's talking about walking his son back, like in the pram through Evandale, past the place where he first got stoned, mm. past the place where his, his friend hung himself. You mm. know, like all the, again, stories, all these stories. And he's a magi- magician at storytelling, but all these stories. And it's just like, what is happy? And he's like, I'm just trying to mm. pay my rent. I'm doing that. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like when we were in Homebrew, we were blowing up you know win two, winning two awards pissing everyone off in the you know music industry but i was wasted i had no money and you know i had nothing to show for it so mm. i get when, when you're like really driven how do you create joy how do you get that mindset of happiness oh, that's a big question the first thing that comes to mind is you have to decide what is enough and be disciplined with it. Yeah. Otherwise, you just keep going. And then you do that at the detriment of your own well-being. Mm-hmm. Because it's really a form of self-sabotage. You just kind of become really quite destructive. So you have to decide what is enough. And that has to be an inside job. Mm. 
And then I think there's also realizing and and going to the root of what is it within me that resonates with doing so much mm-hmm. and being absent from being where I'm always doing. Mm-hmm. What is that part of me? And usually that's some inner child work <laughs> going back to your childhood and usually involves some reparenting. So I do a lot of work leading myself and some of my clients through no new things with um, mothering myself and supporting people to understand how to to kind of heal their mother wounds and um, fathering myself. What would my loving father um, give me right now in this moment and going back and doing that work, mm. either through meditation, visualizations, um, emotional releases, somatic work. Um, there's so many different things that you can kind of dive into with that. But when when the bit inside you is healed, it doesn't resonate to be that way anymore. You've kind of like fixed the root of what has built all of the thoughts, feelings and behaviors, really, CBT. This is just my current understanding and let this just be like a snapshot in time of my my current limited understanding of of trying to make sense of this stuff. Um, but one really big pillar of reparenting is play and joy mm. and something that was certainly absent from my life. If I'm working 80 hours a week and dedicating my whole living being to doing and executing and creating and, you know, like that's a lot. When the fuck are you chilling out and just enjoying? So I definitely feel like, you know, asking yourself as a child, what was something really fun that I always wanted to do but never did for whatever reason, not Mm. to create blame, not to say, well, I'm like this because my parents never did that, but to just connect with your younger self. So doing the thing that you wish you'd done as a child. Because you can do that now because you're an adult Mm. and you can take your power back and you can be responsible and the architect of your human experience through understanding those choice points. So there's a choice point when you create the awareness of, hmm, going back to my younger self, what's something I always wanted to do but never did? Mm. And so I love going to, um, uh, it's like jump, you know, that place with all the trampolines and like going in the ball pits. I just find that so good. And coloring in. Yeah. I got like these really amazing pens and stuff, but... Sometimes it's also doing roly polies down a hill. Mm. Um, I also love playing pretend mm. like with fairies and like in a secret garden. Like I visualize myself going to this like really mystical place. Mm. Um, what's it for you? So I painted, I, I painted, I colored in a, um, a pony today. Uh, I love that. We intuitively, um, so I was being led by Billy. We intuitively colored the mane in different colors and her body in blue. And uh, Nicole came along and said, yeah, you, that's right, that's um, Rainbow Star or something like that. This was its name. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we color in. As I said, you said I drew some dinosaurs. Love that. It's, it's cool being led. Um, mm, by Billy. Yeah, by Billy. Yeah, kids are incredible. Uh, like, she just likes being thrown around or like... Um, falling um 
yeah, both girls last weekend we were doing like gymnastics inside. So um, the bunk beds that I bought had two swabs on them and we got new mattresses. But while we don't have a couch, I've just got the two swabs in the middle of the lounge. Yeah. Which also doubles if I'm doing a Zoom um, recording. <laughs> I like have one leaned against the wall and the other one leaned on it. Yeah. And it creates quite a good like sound shell. Uh, so, nice. So they're just in the lounge. So yeah, like roly poly jumping. Um, we were hopscotching last week. Nice. Playing with chalk, run, just running around the house. Yes. You know, chasing. Yeah. Yes, all I the, love all it. Those things. It's so good. I've got a hills, hills hoist, but no hoist clothesline. And so, yeah, I like, <laughs> okay. yeah, you know, like put Billy up in there and swing her around. The, oh, the, fun. The clothesline. We're at the park yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yeah. going on a slide or a swing. Swing. Oh, I climbed a man. It's awkward. Oh, there's a. There's, you know the like um, high ropes that we did at Ryla. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of like a child version of that, but me. Of course, it's made for like smaller beings. <laughs> so, like your inner child. Yeah, like 94 <laughs> kgs or so up there on a like between two ropes. I get quite a lot of swing going on. I was like, man, this is quite hard. <laughs> and like you're in a basket, and the ladder drops down because it's a rope ladder. And you're like, oh how am I supposed to get down there? <laughs> your whole basket, whole basket there, and it's moving a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, lots of that. But then, yeah, so in CrossFit, I uh, love, I'm, I'm trying to learn like the gymnastics movements. So, like handstand, walking. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You used to upload a whole lot of Instagrams doing yeah, all been, kinds of I've things. I've been trying to do handstands for a long I can do a handstand, yeah. but yeah, like tr- trying to do them well is, you know, I mastery. Think, yeah, yeah, it is mastery. Yeah. yeah. And some with juggling, you know. Three, oh, yeah, you used to upload videos doing that. Three, four balls, you know, muck around with those. Yeah, and yeah. it's just fun. Yeah. It's for the sake of fun. Pleasure is so important. What lights you up? Like I read something the other day, we're wired, our brains are wired for joy. That That's what makes us different from animals or plants or something. <laughs> I feel like I should have been listening to more bits, but the bit that I remembered was wired for fun. we're wired for joy. And mm, so, true. you know, to look for things that light us up, Uh, and to respond to those things don't deny those things even if they feel weird even if they feel random it's like you're wired for joy and what lights you up is what's for you so you know allow yourself to experience pleasure have fun find joy it's part of our experience as humans it's not all meant to be hard it's not meant to be focused on perfection all the time do you like joe Spencer? Yeah, I've been getting into Joe. I've read, um, I'm more of an audible person, but um, what's the audible one? So I'm a visceral Joe Dispenza. I like his, visceral. Ide- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. his ideas because so many people repost his, his, um, his stuff. His yeah. stuff. So I just like observe it and, it, and, yeah. it, and it's great. But, um, and I was trying to remember this with, with Luke and Rachel as well. It's, it's like, Bruce Lipton or... Bruce Lipton, The Power of Belief. I okay, just so, got that today. So it is Bruce Lipton. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he was at Spirit Fest. Oh, wow. Yeah, so fun. Yeah. So <laughs> both both these guys are talking about your um, body physiology can, you know, your your brain physiology and your mood can be dictated by your health. But on mm-hmm. the flip side, you can create your thoughts and feelings to um, manipulate your hormones to then mm-hmm. influence your health. Mm-hmm. And so um, a simple thing is when you wake up in the morning and you've got those 84,000 seconds is go, today's going to be a good day. Yes. This is the question I've been asking myself. If today was a good day, what would I do? Or what do I need for today to be a good day? 
and being bringing mindful awareness to three things mm-hmm. and then i bring those three things to life and there's also the the flip side of that word awareness here talking about at the end of the day despite what's happened mm-hmm. what are the three things that were great absolutely i just got that um is it the bullet journal okay yeah it costs an arm and a leg but i'm so keen to try these things right where it's like an affirmation, three things you're grateful for, and then a reflection on what would have made today even better. Yeah, so if you're listening, that's where I stole my journaling practice from. Oosh. Well, it's not. I, I stole it a little bit from it's a concept, Tim yeah. Ferriss, Tall of Titans, which I think he's talking about it in the concept of, like, well, yeah. I think he says that like the bullet journal is a, you know, a business version of this. Oh, yeah. 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 You know. That's clever. Yeah. No, it's, it's, um, <coughs> I think Dr. Joe Dispenza's book, what I remember, you were the placebo. That's the one I listened to, but it was really interesting. Obviously someone that's on medication, I'm still on microtyping, but it's a really low dose, just 25 milligrams from 400. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did a lot with Dr. Steve Joe actually mm. was really helpful to reduce, um, that final stage. And I, I know that I can come off that final piece. It's just going to require me to, um, up level some of my other practices and rituals so that that transition can be really healthy but Dr. Dr. Steve Joe by the, <clears throat> by the way is a awesome integrative practitioner here in incredible. Hamilton like he's incredible talk, talk about gifts like living in Hamilton and being having access to Dr. Steve Joe was pretty amazing unreal that, that concussion you know and so I had the concussion and I also had um, hip surgery earlier <clears throat> No, the end of the year before and um yeah so i was and it was just before billy was born yeah, i saw steve in that period and mm. yeah it was super helpful yeah getting um not in the woo energetic side in the in your energy yeah like oh it's all rooted in science yeah no, it's he a, travels the world going to seminars and conferences and is at the cutting edge of all of that knowledge yeah it's incredible yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, shout out, Dr. Steve. Um, so, yeah, you are the placebo. So as someone that takes medication, I've obviously always been curious about that kind of stuff. So it talks about the clinical trials when a new medication comes out and that people are given a placebo and that the results of people who were told it was the medication, but it wasn't, um, was just like insane or like people that were... I really don't want to butcher it. I want to make sure I get this right. But I think it was the people that were in war and didn't have access to um, painkillers. The nurses would tell them that they had given them painkillers and then they would still have the response as if it was Mm. like managing the pain um, because for whatever reason they didn't have access to supplies or whatever. Or I don't know what happened, but there was just a really interesting presentation of research, you know, clinical research that had been done around this stuff that actually shows just how powerful the mind is with beliefs. And so I think that that really encouraged me to want to kind of excavate my own belief system and understand what do I believe to be true and, and is there a different belief that would support me to evolve and grow in a different way and how could I pick that up and try that on and just what if you know Mm -hmm. um and it's been so much fun to experiment with but that that book was just like life-changing and and it's like going back to Steve Jovers it's like if the chemical imbalance thing is correct for you 
where can I get those chemicals from and how can I cultivate a better balance of those chemicals yes within me you know and I think there's there's something really important here to mention which is um you know what I would I would describe as privilege so for me um you know when I was first taking medication I actually didn't have the education or the finances to afford me access to the knowledge or the um the in like even the space and time to be able to look at how those things could work instead of the medication and so at that point in time I needed to be on that much Medicaid there was no two two ways about it even when I think about where I'm at now I've got so I've had incredible access to knowledge mm. and um, practitioners and books and education and the more you know the more you know um, and I just feel like where I'm at now you know there's still some other things that would need to adjust in order for me to really fully commit and that's why I'm still on that 25 milligrams and I think for people listening if you are on a medication or feel like you need to go on a medication there's absolutely no mm. shame mm. in that and it's actually an act of courage to honor where you're at and accept it and embrace the support that you need to be able to navigate it and so and also and also that's like a going back to what you're saying about your understanding of things same with this is like that's a point in time and that's um an aid that's going to help you continue on your journey and get to bigger get to and the better next places step. yeah like, like you're saying with knowledge then if it wasn't for the medication you possibly wouldn't have got the knowledge going back to that's it going back to what the therapist or whoever it was said to you you know, Jimmy, you're not going to be able to hold down a job or, or go to university or have a family or those things, mm. you know. But you were in the that spot at time to have, to start a, a something rolling to get the, those opportunities. Yeah. 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 It was a stepping stone. Yeah. And there's definitely times when I think back, like I was a uni student, like I couldn't afford to not eat gluten, you mm. know, and gluten is an influence inflammation inflammatory inflammatory yeah and so to many people that was really important for me um like i needed to take the medication because i actually couldn't afford to buy food that would support me to be well and therefore be able to reduce my medication Mm. so i feel like there's some some kind of like nuances with this stuff where it's like you know people might hear something and be like you know that's for me to pick up and try on but the reality is you know you've got to meet yourself where you're at and and if the reality is it is really difficult or challenging financially it's like okay you know i don't need to beat myself up that i'm not reducing my medication or that i'm on medication i'm just accepting that this is where i'm at right now and this is the support that's going to get me like you say to the next stepping stone where my circumstances financially may change or my living situation may change and then that invites an opportunity or a choice point to go, okay, I'm afforded the privilege of being able to examine my current circumstances. I can buy organic, gluten-free, free range, even go vegan, whatever it is. And so that's going to give me an opportunity to examine my medication dosage and maybe look at going down with some support with a psychiatrist or an integrative practitioner or whatever it is. But I am so present to how my privilege has afforded me to get down to 25 milligrams, that's for sure, mm. and live where I am now. Like, yeah, I just have to say that because it's just <laughs> the more that I study my experience, I'm like, wow, you know, I've had some incredible privileges afforded to me, which has meant it's been easier to make that step to the next stepping stone. Whereas for other people, they may stay on that stone for quite some time because mm. of their circumstances out of their control. Yeah, Start, yeah. starting where you're at. 
Yeah. Yeah, and meeting yourself where you're at as well. I, I think <clears throat> that's a good lesson. Like a lot of people that have privilege push back on the idea of this whole privilege concept. But there's kind of like levels that those same people will get angry that they're not at a position in the in life that they hope to be and i think they can afford themselves the grace that i'm on the journey to do that to create that mm. and thinking on a larger scale uh, luke and rachel talked about like a 500 year plan yeah um and i think that's the power and ancestry that's something that we can learn from Māori Dum and Whakapapa mm-hmm. that it's you're you're like a being in that journey of yes. of the Whakapapa that you know and you are improving the the journey and the, the place for your family yeah like that's I don't know what what influence that's created for me but that's how I've been trying to look at things yeah um yeah, Luke and Rachel asked me sort of what have I learned from this podcast and it's been to think in more legacy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. 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 And it's funny you're talking about the placebo. Rogan's always, Joe Rogan's always talking about the nocebo, which is quite Whoa, amazing. What's this? So someone was on the placebo medication, Yeah. took them all, came into hospital, freaking the fuck out. Their metrics going through the roof, like nearly dying. Yeah. They rung up the study and found that they're on the placebo, told them, and they're like, well, you just took 20 sugar pills mm-hmm. and everything returned to normal. They talk about this in the book. Yeah. Oh, they do. Oh, yeah. so that's probably from that book. There you go. There. But this is it. It's the belief. Yeah. It's the belief that I'm now going to die. I think they there was a, a patient who also got given someone else's results from a cancer t- test and or something oh, where wow. this person was told that they had like days to live or something. Um, and that they had terminal cancer and it was stage four, whatever it is. I don't remember the details, but um, they were given the wrong results. And I can't remember and I don't want to butcher it, but they either did pass or they were hospitalized and were in a life-threatening condition, um, but they were given the wrong results. That's it wasn't horrible. that. And they believed themselves into their... <sighs> and it's just curious... I think all this does for me is just invoke a curiosity. Yeah. Like, yeah, like whatever the difference in the worldview is or whatever the difference in the lived experiences or whatever the difference, the difference for me invokes curiosity. Yeah. And the difference doesn't mean separation. The difference doesn't mean I'm now going to make up a story about how I'm going to be better than you. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I get to get on my high horse and be self-righteous about how woke I am compared to where you're at. Difference for me invites curiosity and that's it. And I feel like going back to the rock thing, it's like, oh, that's interesting that so many people can believe so many different things, but we're all looking at the rock, Yeah. you know? And then I feel like if we could, could potentially look at differences as, as an invitation for curiosity, we may have less division and Mm. we may find greater connection and, um, you know, oneness and understanding that actually we're all looking at the rock and we all actually are made of similar things as we look at the rock too. Mm. So, yeah. Nice. I've got a hundred other things that we could yarn about, but (laughs) (laughs) that was a good, good way to like come back to where we started. So Mm. where do people find you at the moment? Emma? Um, you can find me on Instagram, the underscore Gemma underscore Rose. 
and my website will be live when this podcast comes out I'm sure which is gemmarose.nz which is where you can find my podcast and my group program No New Things and other ways that you can um, work with me and the podcast is called Take Your Meds Take, Take your, meds. your Meds and it's on uh, Spotify Google Apple, Apple. yeah, yeah. Um, so cool to get that launched it's so fun yeah it's just such a great um, space to channel creative energy and curiosity so awesome super inspiring but thank you for having me on and it's so cool to kind of we kind of like you know so much time passes and we just kind of reconnect and pick up where we left off you know and it's such an interesting way that we came to be in each other's lives through Ryler and then obviously the inspiration that you you kind of invoked within me then caused us to kind of start this thing that then turned into a thing and you know we've gone through different journeys and and still kind of come back together which is really cool so I just want to honor you and your friendship and your presence in my life it's really cool to watch you make your dreams come true with this podcast too which is sick lovely thanks Gemma so you've had a month off what's been the what's been the um what's kept you in flow What's kept me in flow? It's just surrender and trust and space and time with my inner guidance system. Cool. Thank you. Mm, thank you. Lovely. We're done. <laughs> <laughs>